ruthless aggression. Welcome to episode four, part two of the Ruthless Aggression podcast. Uh, we're your hosts. Uh, my name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my main two men. Uh, first up, CJ. How's it going, brother? Yeah, not bad, mate. Um, really good. Thank you very much. Looking forward to this one, as usual. And we're also joined by the driest man in sports entertainment. That is Mike. How's it going, sir? Not too bad, fellas. Looking forward to some hashtag fatty offence. Um, so, guys, it's been... A, it's- <laughs> It's been a while since we've last recorded. Um, have you been up to much, CJ, Mike? Um, no, not really, mate. Uh, just, just been really, really busy with work. Um, you know, clanging and banging in and that change. And then also doing uh, my CJ show. Plug, plug, <laughs> my YouTube plug, channel. Plug, plug. <laughs> yeah, guys, you can uh, follow me on, uh, on, on Twitter. So you can follow me. That's at the CJ show. You can subscribe to me on YouTube and you can like my Facebook page as well, guys. So on the YouTube page, it's literally just for search the CJ show and you'll, I'll be the first guy that pops up. Um, looks like I'm putting something on my eye. Uh, and then if you go on Facebook and just type in the CJ show, you'll see me again uh, with the logo. So it's a yellow logo with a grey background. And Mike, yourself, been up to much, sir? Just working and being sick. Working and being sick. Is that sick in the ghetto gangster hip term or sick as in I'm not very well? Both. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, um, as I say, it's uh, part two of our Raw and SmackDown coverage. Obviously, in the first episode, we covered the first episode of Raw first episode of Smackdown. Um, CJ, coming into the last couple episodes of Raw and Smackdown before the next pay-per-view Unforgiven, anything you're looking forward to? Yeah, I'm, I'm very invested, always am. I'm, I'm enjoying uh, seeing all the matches and I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward uh, to the outcome of the matches to see where the story's actually going and see what's, you know, what, there's a lot of kerfuffling around at the minute on Smackdown and I want to know who's going where, who's going to feud for what. Well, I, I must say I'm quite looking forward to seeing if Ed does any more run-ins. Yeah, I'm getting sick of that, to be honest. <laughs> so, it's the, uh, it's the Raw, it's the 2nd of September 2002. Uh, we get an opening segment with Eric Bischoff. Uh, he comes out discussing the issue with Brock Lesnar leaving for SmackDown, becoming exclusive with SmackDown. Um, he brings out the real number one contender, Triple H. Triple H comes to the ring. Eric Bischoff has got a briefcase, opens the briefcase. He presents Triple H with the World Heavyweight Championship. Raw now has its own champion. Um, he's not the real champion. He was handed the, the title. He was handed the World Championship. Um, the, <coughs> real champion, the, real, the, the real champion is on SmackDown. So we go into our first match of the evening. CJ, this will excite your bones. Guess what we've got back? It's an intergender tables match. What intergender tables? That's amazing. I'm so we are back. So we've had we've had about four or five intergender matches. Um, I believe one of them was a tables match. Uh, this time we have Bubba Ray Dudley and Trish Stratus versus Chris Nowinski and Molly Holly. 
And I bet you can't oh. guess what backstage segment happened before the match. Chris Nowinski being pervy towards Molly Holly again? Oh, very much so. He gives an interview <laughs> talking about breaking Molly's hymen. Oh, my God. Hashtag <laughs> sleaze factor. <laughs> leading up to it. Just, just, they're just leading up to it, making it more and more like pervy. And, like hymen, breaking a hymen. Some people don't even know what a frigging hymen is. Well, I hope to God that we see at some point... No whiskey getting lucky. I'm liking it. I, I really, I'm enjoying it. I was supposed to remember who Chris Nowinski was. The Harvard graduate, Chris Nowinski. He had one memorable moment with Matt Hardy at Survivor Series 2002. And then Scott Steiner squashed them both. I, I can't remember that, Matt Hardy and Nowinski fighting. But I'm looking forward to it no, coming they up. They didn't. Um, it, it, obviously, it's coming, up they didn't the, fight, it, it's coming up in the next couple of reviews. Um, it was middle of Survivor Series. Matt Hardy came out for a promo, I believe. Nowinski followed him for a promo. And then Scott Steiner, big pop-up bump, made his debut. Right, okay. And, right, okay. I squashed him both. And wiped you spoiled the prize! <laughs> yeah, it's coming. Let's forget this moment ever happened. Uh, so, yeah, the match itself, couple of uh, couple of moments. Uh, Molly sets Trish up on a table outside the ring. Uh, Molly goes up to the top rope, but Bubba knocks her off. Uh, Nowinski nails Bubba and climbs on the top rope. Nowinski leaps off. Trish moves, sending Nowinski through the table outside the ring. Uh, Bubba follows up by slamming Molly Holly through a table inside the ring to complete the win. It was another moment where it was vicious physical assault on women by the by Bubba Ray Dudley. He, what is his obsession? What is his <laughs> fascination with putting women through tables, even in 2002? Because uh, he's just a crazy guy. He loves it. Uh, even Well, even now, was it last year when you put uh, Dixie Carter in TNA through a table? It, that's some form of fetish that he'll never let on. So we uh, we get to we'll a start back... with May Young. And May Young, yes, definitely a May Young. Bless her. Eighty odd year old taking table bumps. Can't falter at all. Sells it better than current roster half the current roster does, to be fair. She sells better than uh let's let's think of somebody's really shit at selling. Eva Marie. Charlotte. <laughs> straight away. I can tell who you two don't like. Eva Marie and then straight away Charlotte. Charlotte shit. I like Charlotte. I'm a fan of Charlotte, to be fair. She can't sell. She, um, I don't know. Uh, some of the matches I saw Charlotte having NXT, there was points where I was like, she looks like she was almost crying. So that, that for me, is good selling. But when it comes like to an actual move, I, I, I you know, some of the wrestlers, and I'm not just, I'm not, I'm not saying it's just Charlotte, but some of the wrestlers, uh, they will, they will get up as if it was like a WWE uh, game, a uh, video game. They'll just like get up straight away. So you know, let's sell the move. You know, if you get if you get a you know you get a DDT or something or a suplex, then you know stay down for a little bit and and just you know hold your back and make it look like it actually hurt. Yeah. You know? Well, that was. Um... That's what I don't like about Seth Rollins' uh, top move, Falcon Arrow. What about it? He does superplex, then he gets straight back up and gives him a Falcon Arrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I agree with that. Yeah, he because if you're doing a superplex to somebody, it impacts both of you. You know what I mean? So he should stay down for a little bit. Yeah. But, well, look at the um, prime example is, uh, I believe it's coming a bit further in the timeline. Uh, Rob Van Dam and Kane, when they become tag team champions, uh, and you have the Legion of Doom return. And uh, on the match on Monday Night Raw for the titles, uh, Hawk takes a choke slam from Kane and then takes a uh, five-star frog splash from Rob Van Dam. One, two, three... And then Hawk is back up before Rob Van Dam is. And then from what I remember, the night after, well, about an hour after, 
Legion of Doom then got fired. Do you reckon maybe he forgot? Do you reckon it was a genuine mistake or was he, you know, or did he just get up and just like, oh? I, I think, honestly, I believe he just got up because we're Legion of Doom and we don't stand down for nobody. I know Legion of Doom are good, but, you know, that's disrespectful to the rest of the locker room, RVD and Kane. Hence why he got fired. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd, yeah, fire him. So then we cut to a backstage promo um, with CJ's ultimate boy, your big man Test, with his fellow un-American uh, cohorts, Lance Storm and Christian. So it's your usual un-American promo. Uh, Lance Storm, he says that they're not bad guys. He says that they're only telling the truth and that Americans can change their way. Test comes in and says they're going to finish what they started last week. Is Tess going to start burning flags again, CJ? Well, that's about the only thing he can do, isn't it, really? He can't do anything else. He can't... He can't, he can't, can't wrestle. Yeah, he can't wrestle. And, and Liam, he just chats shit. I don't, nah, I'm not, can we move on, please? I don't want to talk about him. See, I don't want to move on yet, because one opinion that we've never got in regards to Test, I'm a fan, you're not. Mike? Overrated. He's one of Vince McMahon's big guys. That's all he was. That could never get over. Could never get over. Because if he was that damn good, yeah, he would have been... Well, how long a stint did he have in the WWE? He had, he had quite a, a lengthy run. He was like, started in 99. 99. Uh, um, he left... He leaves in a couple of years. Then he comes back in... He's like 05, 06 for the ECW reboot. So... No. If, if it's a guy like... Right. As much as I don't like him, I'm not a fan of him, yeah? No. But he did... No. He did he, he did have the look. Tess did have the look. I'm not going to lie. But if he in, he fits that Vince McMahon generic look, like, oh, big guy. But if he was that good, they would have put the, the belt around him. They never did. He never won the big one. And, and he didn't. He wouldn't have deserved it. He just wasn't that good. He, he wasn't that good enough. When was Test... Um, now, when was Test actually on his own? When, when has he actually been on his own? 99, when he was getting married to Stephanie, yeah. he was still... Part of the corporation. Was, am I correct there? No, no, no. Was... He's got, no, he'd gone. He was on his own then. Yeah, he was on his own because what had happened was uh, I don't know if you remember the union, uh, which was a, a team set up to, to fight against the corporation. So you had Mankind, Big Show, Ken Shamrock, yeah, yeah, Test, yeah, yeah. And, and they had a I can't remember exactly. I, I believe it was Over the Edge '99, the the one where Owen Hart passed away. I believe it was a corporation versus in, um, union match, and the winner could then have kind of their own little choice. And Tester's, like, his choice was he wanted to ask Stephen McMahon out on a date, and that's how that started. But since then, when when's he been on his own, apart from him being in ECW? When's he been on his own as a singles competitor? Not with not with uh, Albert, not with uh, Steiner. Um, he's, in, he's with the Un-Americans at the moment. But why did they not Blue push him push him any further? They didn't put the, That was as far as he could ever get. He could ever, he could get the higher part of the mid card, but that was it. Um, right, so we move on to a, a bit of a, a backstage segment with Ric Flair and Chris Jericho. Uh, Jericho approaches Flair and complains about not getting the first title shot. Flair reminds Jericho that he made him tap out at SummerSlam. Jericho says that he hopes Flair wins tonight so Jericho can get his rematch and win the title. Um, well, my, my thought would be, yeah, go for it. Go, You know, th- those two can put on a show. However... Going back to some of the previous podcasts we've done, I think I've mentioned this before, Ric Flair is not Ric Flair he was before he joined the W... Before, he's not the WCW Ric Flair. No. Uh, so all you can get out of him is chops and a figure four leg lock. Yeah, and the occasional will. Yeah. He's not, he's not, you know, 
it wouldn't be a wrestling clinic. Yeah, if only they were both. Jericho at this point is in his prime, I would say, um, because he'd already won. The, he's already been the champion. Um, the, but but Flair's just Flair. Flair's just there. He's there for a name. Flair he's there, he's there because he's Ric Flair. Yeah. He's not like you know. I, I didn't get excited seeing Ric Flair on the TV in the WWE. I didn't. I, I didn't be like, oh, you know, Flair's on in WCW when he was with the Four Horsemen. Or, you know, he had that rival with Sting. I'd get excited to see Flair on the TV. Or his fights with Hogan. I'd get excited to see Flair. But ruthless aggression, error Flair. No, sorry. Yeah. Uh, personally, for me, there was one moment where it was it was the night after the Survivor Series pay-per-view um, where Stephanie and Shane come out and said that they'll salt their stock to a consortium. And then uh, Vince is like, who's the consortium? And all of a sudden it goes, woo! And Ric Flair's music kicks. I remember back then that gave me a, a, a massive pop because we've not seen Ric Flair since he left in like 92. And so it's been a long period of time since we've seen Ric Flair on WWE TV, but it's all gone downhill from there. The only, the only time I've ever looked forward to Ric Flair wrestling, wrestling a match is two times in the WWE. The first one is the most obvious, Shawn Michaels' retirement match. Of course. And the other one was when it was a Raw and he had a shot against Triple H's title on Raw. Uh, hashtag I'm talking about it. Is that what you're talking about now? <laughs> yeah. Is this is what this, you're actually talking about now? He's that is shot this episode. And he, is this the one where they go, oh, you, you can't win the big one again? I can't tell you. We're getting there. Because there's a lead, there's a backstage lead up all the way through. Right, okay, yeah. You're going to have to wait is, and see. Right, okay, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll wait, I'll wait. This is the only <laughs> one. I, this is the second one I look forward to. So we get to our next match on the card. Uh, it is William Regal versus Booker T. Uh, Booker T wins the match quite comfortably. Uh, he gets on the mic and he does, I'm getting bored of this now. It's not over yet. And guess what he delivers to the audience? The reason they came to see him. We get another spinneroonie. Now, Booker T, I do like you. We, we discussed him in length in Vengeance. I've got a lot of time for you. But this is getting boring. You're a very good wrestler, Booker T. But at the minute, your stick is all about your little spinneroonie and not about your matches. I'd agree. But so people as like Matt, that don't get to world champion. I'd agree, but Michael said it. Uh, Michael from the other podcast, he said it pre, uh, on the other podcast. He said that you know it, it's over. The crowd loves it. It's been a rooney. They love they it. They do. They do. And um, I'd just like to drop in there, people. Um, as C just mentioned, um, obviously the our, one of our last episodes we launched uh, was a bonus episode that we had with Michael Larkin of the S and M Show podcast. Um, I'm also going to be appearing on the Wrestling Matters podcast with Anthony Walker. Uh, we're recording on Saturday. That is going to go live on Monday. Um, so, yeah, just to give them a little bit of a shout-out. They're doing great things, uh, and we look forward to working with them again in the future. Well, I thought I had knowledge. That guy is a book of knowledge. And I would just like to say it was, an actual, it was a real pleasure just working with him. And this isn't just, you know, I'm not. Get, we're not on commission here. We're not getting anything out of it. I would just like to say that that guy, you know, the utmost respect for him. He knows his shit. He knows his shit. And it's, you know, sometimes you'll, when you know you're going to be talking with a stranger that you've never met before, you're going to go, how's this going to work out? But when we talked with him, it was really easy. And he, and he knows his stuff. And it's, 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 he's a very genuine guy. Yeah. I've got a lot of ni nice things to say about the guy. Totally agree. So, yeah, guys, as we just said, so if you want to find Michael's podcast, it's the S and M Show podcast. Um, he's all over SoundCloud. He's on Twitter, Facebook. Um, so check him out. He's got really good stuff.
So then it leads us into a interview with uh, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler with Shawn Michaels. Uh, first time that we've seen Shawn Michaels since SummerSlam. Uh, he appears on the big screen sitting in a wheelchair and looking very bruised. Uh, Shawn says that he, he, he has a bit of feeling in his legs. Uh, he says he's going through a lot of physical therapy um, and he walks out of the wheelchair. Uh, Lawler asks Shawn if it was worth it. Shawn says that he's been thinking about it and decides that it was definitely worth it. He talks more about getting back in the ring and doing it for the fans. Sean ends the segment by telling Triple H, don't hunt what you can't kill. Sean then holds up a sledgehammer of his own for the camera. So it looks like we've not seen the last of HBK. Good. Good. The, I, 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 am, I am keen to, to see where this leads. Uh, obviously, with Triple H at the minute being the champion, where, where will this lead with Shawn Michaels? How is he going to get inserted into the picture so it leads us into a very peculiar point in the card we now get the world title match so we are we are three matches in and we get the world title match so it is triple h versus the nature boy rick flair rick flair looking to um win the title for the 17th time right so uh yes yeah, the world title match it's triple h versus rick flair uh, very odd the fact it's middle of the card uh, late into the match uh, flair locks the figure four on triple h Triple H gets out of the submission and hits a pedigree for the win. Uh, Chris Jericho then jumps into the ring and puts the walls of Jericho on Ric Flair. And then Rob Van Dam, of all people, runs down to make the save. Uh, Triple H comes back in the ring and goes after Rob Van Dam. Rob Van Dam knocks Jericho and Triple H out of the ring. So it's looking like Rob Van Dam is now going to be uh, pushed within like the main event card. No, don't like it. Never been a Rob fan? No, I like Rob Van Dam, but I... He has a place, and it's not in the main title picture for me. So, our next match is a handicap match. We have got Lance Storm and Christian versus Kane. Oh, guess who's going to run down? Uh, JR suggests maybe it's Kane who'll be joining SmackDown to be with his brother. Kane, de Kane defeats the duo quite comfortably, and then your boy Test runs down and attacks Kane. Uh, Test tries to light the American flag on fire again until... Bradshaw runs down to make the patriotic save. Not interested. Not interested at all in Texas Bradshaw. Now, JBL, I'm interested. Texas oh, Bradshaw, I no. hated JBL. I'm a CJ in this one. JBL was much better than Texas Bradshaw. Disagree. Well, to be fair, I was never a fan of Texas Bradshaw. Uh, Bradshaw, for me, can stop within the, the end of APA. When they used to go to the, the bars fighting people, and that, that's where Bradshaw, my memory stops with Bradshaw. Um, I, I, I don't even like to associate Bradshaw with modern day commentary. I, I don't like, as a character, JBL on commentary. Oh, he's a shit commentator. Awful, awful. He's, you can't fault his knowledge. Uh, like, they get certain times where they'll speak about moves, and Bradshaw will go back and he'll reference a old wrestler that a lot of like modern day fans won't be familiar with. So I'm all down for that. But from a colour commentator point of view, abysmal. And he always goes, oh yeah, he might pull off the win of the century like Leicester City in the UK. Yes. Oh, it always tries to be a bit of pop culture. Anyway, the next match on the card on the 2nd of September Raw, we've got Tommy Dreamer, the former hardcore champion against The Big Show. Uh, Dreamer gets DQ'd after destroying, absolutely destroying Big Show with a steel chair. And a massive ECW champ breaks out of in the arena. Absolutely huge ECW champ 
the biggest pop we've heard so far during the night. So then we go backstage. Uh, we've got Eric Bischoff with Triple H and Chris Jericho. Uh, Triple H demands a match with Rob Van Dam uh, later on this evening. Uh, Eric Bischoff says Rob Van Dam is taking on Jericho. Triple H says that he's the man and whatever he wants goes. Jericho then steps in and demands his IC title shot against Van Dam. Uh, Eric Bischoff makes a tag team match for later on the evening. We've got Ric Flair and Rob Van Dam versus Jericho and Triple H. Which annoyed me. Really annoyed me. I know obviously you've got Triple H as a heel, Jericho's a heel. But you're going off on the back of they had a massive rivalry um, leading up into, into this era. At Mania. You had Jericho winning the Undisputed title at Vengeance where he beat Rock and Austin in one night. And then you had Triple H returning at the Rumble. You had a big rivalry going into Mania. All of a sudden they're friends again. Don't forget the Hell in the Cell at Bad Judgment Day. The Hell in the Cell at Judgment Day, exactly. Yeah, but that's how it's just WWE logic, isn't it? Very much so, very much so. Right, so our next match on the on the card, and CJ, this is something that I'm sure you'll be happy with. We have got Crash Holly versus, yeah. versus Jeff Hardy. Oh. Oh. Before the match can begin, Eric Bischoff interrupts him. Eric says that he knows Jeff Hardy was planning on jumping ship to SmackDown. And he says he would like to have a little notice. Maybe three minutes. Yes. I like <laughs> three minute warning. I like them. Uh, Rosie and Jamal, they jump Jeff Hardy from behind and beat the living daylights out of him. Uh, Crash jumps Hashtag from... Hashtag offense. The Samoan <laughs> dynasty makes a yet another appearance. Um, Crash, he jumps from the ring to escape. He takes the microphone and he tells Eric Bischoff that Crash Holly is the one who is jumping to SmackDown. Yes! Fuck yes, I'm so happy. I get Crash Holly on SmackDown. Yes. So the next uh, segment that we have is a lingerie pillow fight between Stacey Keebler and Terry Runnels with Jerry the King Lawler as your special guest referee. Uh, Jerry Lawler gives hilarious commentary from within the ring. Uh, Terry wins an absolute unwatchable match. Stacey um, then puts a clock inside the pillowcase and nails Terry with it. Uh, then Stacy pours tar all over Terry and covers her with feathers. Great segment. Moving on. We get to the main event of the evening. It is Triple H and Chris Jericho versus Rob Van Dam and Ric Flair. Uh, late into the match, Jericho nails RVD with a chair from the outside. Uh, Jer uh, Triple H sorry, covers uh, RVD and he kicks out. Jericho tags in, goes for the wall of Jericho on RVD. Flair comes in and chops Jericho. Standard Ric Flair 2002 move, causing him to break the hold. Lots of back and forth. Um, RVD hits the rolling thunder on Triple H. He goes for the frog splash, but Jericho pushes him off the top rope. Uh, Jericho hits the lion salt on Rob Van Dam. Flair then puts the figure four leg lock on Jericho outside of the ring. Triple H brings the title belt into the ring. Uh, RVD stands up and kicks the belt into Triple H's face. RVD nails a perfect, absolutely perfect five-star frog splash. RVD covers Triple H to pick up the win. RVD has pinned the Raw World Champion. RVD then holds the World and IC title up after the match. And then Raw goes off the air. So it looks like RVD's getting a little bit of a push. Yeah. Overall? Yeah. Yeah, a good Raw. Definitely a good Raw. I just don't... I don't... I don't like seeing RVD up there. I just don't. I don't know. He, he was. 
he deserved to be the main event in ECW. That's 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 the main event status that RVD deserves, in my opinion. I was a big RVD fan back in the day. I I loved seeing him as the main event picture. So we head into my version, SmackDown, September the fifth, two thousand and two. The first match we have. Rey Mysterio uh, going against Billy Gunn with Chuck Palumbo. Uh, great match. Rey Mysterio gets in all the offense there. Uh, Billy Gunn does some big, massive moves. Does the uh, one, one, the, the one uh, and only. The, I can't remember the name of the movies the now that one, Billy Gunn does to him. And, so was it the um, like the uh, full Nelson into a slam? That's it. Yeah, the, the one, one, the, the one, one and only. Great move. Yeah, he does that to Rey Mysterio, but Rey Mysterio ends up doing the 619 and getting the win over Billy Gunn, uh, which is quite surprising. They let the little guy beat the big guy. Um, and then after that, that's a great little segment uh, that would lead up to the next SmackDown, is Chuck Palumbo is in the middle of the ring with Rico, and Rico says to Chuck, Chuck, uh, we've got some really important, uh, something really important that you need to tell Billy. Chuck, get it out of your pants. Pull it out now. Oh, dear. Uh, and the, the fans are like, uh, there's a shock sound from the, the, the audience. And uh, I, for one, thought he was actually going to pull his penis out. I was like, oh, God, here we go. But now he, <laughs> he actually pulls out a wedding ring and uh, asks Billy Gunn if he wants to be his partner, tag team partner for life. Um, and, and, and Billy Gunn says yes, yes I would and they, they have a nice little hug and then straight after that which was quite surprising straight after that they do a little vigilante saying that next week on Smackdown there will be a wedding ceremony for Billy Ch- Billy and Chuck wow so something to look forward to on the next the next Smackdown guys wow how, what do, you, how do you feel about that? uncomfortable <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's sort of out of the blue as well. Sort of out of the blue. Like obviously, Billy and Gun, Billy Gun and Chuck do come across as a, a, a gay tag team. They do, they do do some pretty uh, gayish stuff. Um, but they love, they love each other. Yeah, it was a bit out of the blue though for him to just go in and propose to him. But I guess hey, that's life. People do do that out of the blue, just propose. <laughs> Uh, so we're going on to the next match. It's Jamie Noble against uh, my boy, Shannon Moore. Um, great little cruiserweight title match. Um, Shannon Moore, unfortunately, gets the loss. So this is his little run ending oh, now. the streak's over. The streak is yeah. over. Jamie Noble, he's, in, he's doing wonders over us at the moment. He's doing really well with that title, with Nidia. Great little gimmick they've got there. And I think they he's the most over there with the cruiserweights. And he's, like, he's sort of a tweener as well. He's meant to be a heel, uh, but he does get cheers because of Nidia. People find him funny. People find it, right. the, the, the whole shtick with Nidia and uh, basically being a sort of pimp to an extent uh, because Nidia has got quite a high sex drive. Yeah, I, I, I find him thoroughly entertaining. Uh, next match, we've got Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman against Randy Orton, 2002. Uh, Randy Orton, the uh, you, you would call him a rookie now, Randy Orton at the moment. Very much. Uh, going against uh, Brock Lesnar, brilliant match. Uh, Randy Orton gets in a lot of offence. 
Uh, I think that they're doing this at the minute with Brock Lesnar is they're letting the other guy get in some offence, make you believe that they could actually beat Brock Lesnar. Um, the finish to the match was Randy Orton goes for the crossbody on Brock Lesnar off the top rope. Lesnar gets crossbodied, rolls backwards uh, with Lesnar in it, uh, with Randy Orton in his arms. Then he carries him up onto his shoulders. Really great feat of strength. Something that John Cena does a hell of a lot. Um, but Lesnar was the first guy to do this, I believe. Gets him up and gives Randy Orton the one of the best F5s I've seen. Like, the guy giving it and the guy taking it. Like, looks really good. Like, like poetry motion, if you will. The way like, he, he lands the uh, F5 on Randy. Great match. I really enjoyed that one. Well, awesome. It, it's one of them. It's the... Uh, this is the match that they all they all went back to, and obviously this year with summer was it some yeah SummerSlam wasn't it Orton against Brock, and um, and they was like yeah they, they met once before, and the the one thing that I will take from Randy Orton during this time period, uh, you can tell why he stopped using the crossbody, uh, you can tell that management they had a um, a massive long progression for Randy Orton, and it was like look Randy if you're gonna be a main event guy you are dropping the crossbody as your finisher. It's a shame, really, because there's two moves he does perfect, and it makes looks really good. His crossbody looks sick, and his uh, drop kick really good. With his, he still does a drop kick, but back then he got a bit more height. It just looked awesome. His drop kick. Yeah, his yeah. drop kick was one of the best. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of another wrestler that does a really good drop kick. Hardcore Holly. Paul London. Paul London, Hardcore Holly. Hardcore Holly did for his. I mean, in 2002, Hardcore Holly must be like late 30s, early 40s. Easily. Easily, doing and he, he he's. He, I really wouldn't want to meet Hardcore Holly in a bar. I think Hardcore Holly would absolutely destroy you. Yeah, Hardcore Holly be one of them people that if you're in a toilet having a wee and you got yeah, Hardcore Holly comes next to you and you go, you're all right, pal. He'd be like, I'm not your pal, and then kick fuck out you. Yeah, it's that exact. That's he couldn't put it myself. <laughs> better myself. Yeah. Um, that's one of the greatest knowledge I've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, well, apart from like this is completely off 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 uh, topic, but that that sort of happened to me once. I went into a bar, uh, went in for a piss in the toilet, and some guy was staring at my penis, and it was quite awkward. And I looked at him, and he looked at me, and then his friend came in after while I was having a piss, and he went, "Don't worry, mate. He does it to everybody. He just just does it to freak you out." It was probably one of the most awkward moments I've ever had in the toilet. Um, <laughs> moved on. And he was, you know, he was, he was, he, he was like 60 odd, late 50s. And he was just, I just, I was, it was a surreal moment. I didn't know what to say to him. It was, it's, it's awkward. Um, going on, next match, Mark Henry against Tajiri. Okay. Which to me sounds like a bit of a filler match, to be honest. Um, yeah. They're both. Mark Henry wins? Uh, yeah, he does. He does. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, at this moment in time for Mark Henry, I'm I'm quite like I'm He's lost. Yeah, I'm lost with him because Mark Henry, obviously, he has that state in 2009, 2010. Um, back here, he was bigger, he was stronger back back in 2002, and they just don't know what to do with him. They're running against Tajiri. The only thing that stands out in that match for me was Tajiri trying to do the tarantula to him. That's the only thing that stands out, and he couldn't do it because he's got fat legs. <laughs> Um, next match, Batista versus Devon Dudley or Reverend Devon. Um, crap match, <laughs> if I'm being honest. It, it wasn't that entertaining. Uh, Devon Dudley Dudley does his you know sh- usual stick, 
does the spinning clothesline. Batista beats him. So they're, they're, they're pushing Batista at the moment, giving him a little mini push. Does his first ever sit-out powerbomb. Executes it really well. Uh, next match we have Hardcore Holly against version one, Matt Hardy. Um, and the reason why they go against each other is because Matt Hardy is backstage going on about how he had the match against Brock Lesnar the week before and how he nearly beat Brock Lesnar, which he never did. Um, Hardcore Holly gets the win on Matt Hardy, more or less destroys him. And, and yeah, and he just like wipes his hands of Matt Hardy like, yeah, thank you. See you later. Um, it's like you would if you met you in a toilet. <laughs> yeah. And next match, we got Crash Holly against the Hurricane. Stand so back. Ha- There's a hurricane coming through. Yeah, great gimmick, Hurricane. Great gimmick. I really enjoyed it. Very comedic. Love, love his stuff. Great wrestler. Uh, Shane Helms, a lot of things to come from him. Further down the timeline, I'm sure we're, we're going to see what's going to happen with him. Um, at this moment in time, Crash Holly does defeat the Hurricane. Um, great match. Really, really, really enjoyed it. Crash Holly gets a pop from the crowd. First match on SmackDown, gets the win. Love it. And finally, we go on to the main event of the evening. The Undertaker and Edge and Rikishi versus Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit. On paper, awesome. There's only, there's only one, one sore thumb in that, and I'll, I'll let you speak, Mike, but it's one sore thumb for me. <laughs> hashtag. Dave's about to say it, hashtag fatty offense. That's <laughs> a sore thumb. Yeah, that's a, he's a sore thumb, guys, because I'm just going to say these names again at you. The Undertaker, Edge and Rikishi versus Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit. Now, what a team on paper, Angle, Benoit and Guerrero. Wow. Yeah. Wow. If you were if you were going to a bit of fantasy booking, if you were going to be a wrestler on a roster and you were in a Survivor Series team, four on four, and you could pick any three guys in the history of wrestling, pick another a different guys than them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um okay, so we have the match. Uh great match, back and forth, very, very back and forth. Uh, everybody gets a spot in. Everybody gets a finishing maneuver in. Blah blah blah. Um, and then Rikishi, Edge, and the Undertaker get the win. They beat Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero, and Chris Benoit, which I'm sort of not happy about. But I understand why they've won because the Undertaker needs to have his push with going against Lesnar leading up to the next pay per view. Um, but Rikishi, um, he's he, he he doesn't belong there. Um, no. He doesn't belong up there in the main event. Again, like when I said to Rob Van Dam, it doesn't feel right seeing Rikishi in the main event. He's higher mid-card. He's not main event yeah. for me. I think he showed that a couple of years ago with the, um, I say a couple of years ago as of 2002, with the Armageddon six-man Hell in the Cell. Yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the greatest mistakes that WWE ever made was the whole Austin, who ran over Austin storyline, they could have picked anybody else but Rikishi. I did it that- for the rock. I did it for the people. Hashtag fatty offence. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's the only thing he, that they should have put. They could have given that to anybody else apart from Rikishi. Yeah, anybody. Angle. angle. They could have given it Angle. Any, anybody. Anybody. You the could thing- have gone Benoit, Jericho, Angle, the- anyone. But, but here's, here's the, you know... Here's the little flip of the coin here. If they'd have not done that Rikishi, with Rikishi, 
he was great back then. Before he said, oh, "I did it for the Rock, did it for, did it for whatever." He was great um, with Too Cool and being Rikishi in his little singles run. Oh, but yeah. then when they they turned him heel, that was it. Like that, give him a bit of a, a shit show for Rikishi. He he could have main evented if they'd have not done that to him. What have you had? Um... Back and obviously on the back of the storyline with him running over Austin the following year when Austin come back after his surgery, what have you had Rikishi go over Austin? It's annoying because we had a big. I mean, we are digressing a slight bit, but the Rikishi versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, no mercy. Those two in that match, Rikishi got the ass kicking of a lifetime. He got buried so much in that match. He didn't get any offense in. I can't remember getting much offense in. No. Stone Cold shit on it. You know what I mean? And that that's that annoys me. That annoys me. But anyway, overall, SmackDown, good show. Um, and I'm really looking forward to uh, the wedding. The, the, I'm really looking forward to the wedding. Look at the gods, the drugs, from my generation, I'll take the fall, the state. So we get leading on to the uh, 9th of September Raw. It's CJ's birthday. Many happy returns, my friend. Thank you. I didn't know how old it was, but that was my birthday. So we open, unbelievably, we open with a match. We have a tag team title match. We have your reigning champions, Lance Storm and Christian, against the odd couple of Texas Bradshaw and Kane. Bradshaw, get, Bradshaw gets on the mic and he says that they're going to bring home the titles. A massive USA chant starts early on. Uh, late in the match, uh, Test and Regal both interfere. Your boy Test is here again, interfering. Yep. Yeah, okay. He gives a, a he nails a big boot on Bradshaw, and Regal nails Bradshaw with the power of the punch to knock him out. Storm then covers Bradshaw for the win to regain the tag titles. So as it stands, your champions are still the Un-Americans of Lance Storm and Christian. And then we move on to a in-ring segment. And then we move on to an in-ring segment with Eric Bischoff. Um, he says that he hears some of the Raw superstars were upset with Triple H being awarded the world title. He announces a fatal four-way for the number one contendership for Unforgiven. Eric Bischoff then goes on to complain about the mainstream media attention that's covering the SmackDown's commitment ceremony. He says that he's absolutely sick of it. And he says tonight he's going to create his own controversy. He says tonight he will present HL. A. And he clarifies that HLA is hot lesbian action. Thoughts? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's my thoughts. I remember this bit. <laughs> I love hot lesbians in action. I love it. That is what. We all love HLA. That's what sorely missed. Stuff like this is sorely missed in this in 2016. Really? Just anything like this. Yeah. Anything like this. I mean, it doesn't have to be hot lesbian action. It, just something that's, oh, I don't know, it, it's, it's something different. That's what we're missing, something different. Hot lesbian action. What about yourself, Mike? Would, Any uh, sort of standout memories from the period of time with the hot lesbian action? I have a lot of fond memories of the uh, HLA angle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how old were you at the time? Let's just go ahead, digress. Uh, well, my said was day from my thirteenth birthday, so. Dirty boy. <laughs> <laughs> but 
back in the days when we didn't have you porn or XX hamster, hot, hot lesbian action was the uh, you watch Monday Night Raw. That's <laughs> that's what you'd watch. It's just unfortunately, if you get to that point and then Bischoff appears on the screen, then what do you do? <laughs> oh, you'd have to carry on, I'm afraid. <laughs> Force your way through it. Just put your hands over your eyes. Close your eyes. <laughs> Close your eyes and think of Stephanie McMahon. So we cut to a, a backstage segment with Trish Stratus and Terry Reynolds. Uh, they're walking backstage and they notice a dressing room labelled lesbians. <laughs> the lesbians have their own room. <laughs> the lesbians have their own locker room. Oh my God. So then the fireworks, I don't know if that's yourself or uh, yourself CGL Mike. Then fireworks sound amazing. Yeah, the scream, screamers. So uh, we lead into Watch our next match, uh, which is Bubba Ray Dudley versus Stephen Richards, of all people. Uh, Bubba wins following the Bubba Bomb from the second rope, uh, which was quite a move. A very dull match, but quite a good move to finish. Uh, and then we move on to a, a Divas tag team match. We have got Stacey Keebler and Victoria versus Terry and Trish Stratus. Uh, Jerry Lawler... He gets very, very excited and keeps mentioning hot lesbian action every 30 seconds. Now, we all know Jerry Lawler, in his later years, was quite a fan of the younger lady, let's say. So, I want to... Uh, I'm going to throw it out to both of you. You're Jerry Lawler. It's 2002. It's the 9th of September. And you're about to see hot lesbian action. Thoughts? <laughs> ah. I'm surprised he didn't have a heart attack then, to be honest. Yeah. Touching on that, actually, with his heart attack, um, obviously, it must be something that he's happy to go with, but the fact that they keep mocking... I don't know if you watch much of the pre-shows on the pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah. They keep mocking the big... Booker T every two minutes. says, oh, I'm surprised I didn't cause you another heart attack. Now, for me personally, it's quite a... That's very touchy subject to be to be joking about. Yeah, very touchy, um, but that's not coming from Booker T, though. Oh, no, that's coming from Vince McMahon. Yeah, and that's the guy who wants to have an incest angle with his family, so, you know, he'll try anything. Spoiler alert. That's definitely not a spoiler alert. Uh, Is it? Was oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. He wanted to have an incest... Um, yeah, I, I believe in about... In about Twelve months time. Um, I know it doesn't go that way because it turns into a an, is it an I keep I quit match with him and Stephanie. But the actual angle was that he wanted to be uh, uh, the person who was responsible, let's say, for Stephanie McMahon's first child. My God. If the if the network would have allowed it, which they definitely wouldn't. But if they'd allowed that, he would have gone with it, and he wouldn't have given two fucks. He'd have just done it. Definitely. Which, which is bad. Definitely. <laughs> so we then move backstage uh, to a segment with William Regal and Chris Nowinski. Uh, Nowinski questions Regal's decision to join the Un-Americans. Uh, Regal says he's been an Un-American since he first joined the WWE. Nowinski accepts Regal's decision and says he's going to get ready for hot lesbian action. My God, they mention it in every segment. Regal then slaps Nowinski across the face. He says Nowinski is the smartest man in the WWE and can only think of lesbians and <laughs> Rogerin Molly. 
<laughs> Rogering. Good old William Regal. Uh, he says that Nowinski is a Harvard graduate and he needs to start acting like one. So in the ring, uh, we have got Chris Nowinski comes out uh, and he runs down the local crowd, typical heel stick. Uh, Tommy Dreamer interrupts Nowinski's tirade. Tommy Dreamer threatens to beat Nowinski with the Singapore cane. Nowinski suggests Dreamer drops the cane and fights him like a man. Dreamer drops the cane and hits the ring. So we get a bit of a, it's not a match, just a bit of a scrap. Uh, Dreamer gets some offence on Nowinski until Nowinski turns the tables. Nowinski goes outside the ring and gets a Singapore cane to use on Dreamer. And the, the two battle it out for a while before Dreamer wins the Singapore cane off Nowinski. And Nowinski retreats up the ramp. Um, I just, I'd love to know your thoughts. We, we, you're probably talking with what I've just gone through then is about 15 minutes of Raw. So you've got 15 minutes of Raw with Nowinski and Regal discussing on Americans. Uh, Dreamer coming out. Could that be used better? Yeah, they should, like, what is Tommy Dreamer doing? Yeah, that, why is, you... that is the reason behind the question. Obviously, in the last episode that we covered, um, the Hardcore title got unified with the IC title, so Dreamer's now not a champion. Hardcore matches at this present time are not a thing. So, what does Dreamer do? Because he's not a wrestler, he's a hardcore wrestler. Leave. He's probably the, he's op- not... the only option. He do, he, he's not he's not interesting. Tommy Dreamer's not interesting. His, his gimmick, like you just said, his gimmick's hardcore wrestling. So if he if he can't have a hardcore match, he's useless. There's no point in having him there. Totally agree. Exactly. Totally agree. Mike? The only thing that was wonderfully rude nowadays just to get for when there's a big hardcore segment. So, that's only if Mick Foley's unavailable. <laughs> yeah. It's. I feel sorry for for Tommy Dreamer. I feel sorry for people like him who were really passionate about ECW. He was he was the, one of the many few who were like really passionate. He loved it. Oh, he it. loved it. He loved it. Uh, and the thing is, he's not an in shape guy. Um, and they now in 2016, uh, if you watched the Edge and Christian show. He was, um, they just ripped him all the time on there. Yeah. Which was, it was funny. Um, but yeah, it was. It's, um, yeah, I, I feel sorry for him because a guy with that much passion, he, he just, he, he's lost. He's lost. Whenever you bring him back, there's no, he's not, he's not got a place in WWE. His place will always be ECW. So then we go backstage uh, with Spike Dudley and the lesbians. Uh, Spike walks past the lesbian dressing room. The lesbians wish Spike... This is, I can't believe I keep saying this. The lesbians, <laughs> they wish Spike luck in this match tonight. The lesbians ask if Spike is going to wish them luck. Spike questions for what? The lesbians say for hot lesbian action. The lesbians <laughs> then retreat into their dressing room, giving Spike a little bit of a glimpse inside. So then we get to a non-title match, which this one's quite surprising. We've got Triple H... Versus Spike Dudley. What's the what? point? What is the point? Triple H wins. Move on. These, what did it, Spike Dudley do? It was Spike Dudley did very little in this match. Let's say, and um, here's a Dudley. Dog. Mean to get buried. What did Spike Dudley do to get buried? Um, I think he was buried at the start. He was brought in purely because his surname was the same as Big Daddy Dudley's, and all his little cronies and his little family. I just don't understand. If there's no build-up with Spike Dudley to go against Triple H, then what's the point in putting him in a match with Triple H? He's just got Triple H. 
I hate to say this, but Triple H has just he's beneath like Spike Dudley's beneath Triple H. He doesn't even deserve to be in the same ring as Triple H. I'm afraid. Totally agree. Sorry. Totally agree. Uh, we have a couple of backstage segments after then. Um, we have one with uh, Jericho and Big Show uh, discussing the Fatal Four Way. Jericho saying we should team up. And then we have another segment uh, which has got the the coach and Booker T. And Booker T discussing Regal joining the Americans. Bradshaw comes in. And it ends with Bradshaw saying, are you ready for hot lesbian action? Yet again, they're mentioning it. Booker T says he is. And can you dig that sucker? Then we get to a tag team match. Uh, we have Booker T and Goldust versus William Regal and Test. Uh, the match ends in a no contest as uh, Regal runs out. Uh, sorry, not Regal runs out. My apologies. Uh, Kane and Bradshaw come round. Uh, and then you've got the uh, Christian and Lance Storm come down. Everyone gets involved. Absolute shit, clusterfuck. Um, and then we get to the ring, the main point of the night, which they've been building up to. We have got Eric Bischoff and the lesbians. So, ladies and gentlemen, oh. please. You ready, Jared? Welcome the lesbians! It's Ellie! It's Ellie! Hot lesbian action! Bischoff gets the crowd to chant HLA. H-L-A, H-L-A. Uh, he asks the girl, each girl some appropriate, inappropriate questions, and then the lesbians begin to um, go for it, let's say. Uh, Bischoff talks them out of their clothes, uh, down to their bra and thongs. He convinces the girls to kiss. Bischoff says that sex and violence sells. Uh, he says that we've had plenty of sex, but not enough violence. <laughs> Guess what's coming? <laughs> Bischoff says that this segment has gone about... Three minutes too long. Yes. Rosie and Jamal hit the ring and annihilate. Hashtag fatty offense. And hashtag fatty offense and they annihilate the lesbians. What? What? Why? Cause Raw. Cause HLA. Cause 2002. Cause Eric Bischoff. Imagine if this was. Imagine if this was 2016 now. Right now, this segment was in 2016. Imagine the backlash from this. Imagine the backlash. Well, I'll get oh to my that God. in all due time because unfortunately there was quite a bit of a backlash, but I'll get to that in about five minutes' time. So we lead to our main event of the evening. Uh, it's the fatal four-way for the number one contendership. We have got Chris Jericho versus Rob Van Dam versus The Big Show versus Jeff Hardy. Uh, one word answer. Michael, come with you first. Who's going to win? Van Dam. CJ? Van Dam. It's got to be. Guess what? Van Damme pulls out the victory to defeat Chris Jericho to become the number one contender. Triple H was not happy. Triple H was at ringside and he came to watch the match. So we're going into Unforgiven. We have got Triple H versus Rob Van Damme for the world title. And Raw goes off the air. Now, just to, just to touch on what we just mentioned then, there was serious backlash over the Hot Lesbian Actions content on Raw. At TNN, which at the time was the network that was airing Raw, they expressed their displeasure with the direction immediately. Uh, they released a statement saying TNN takes serious issue with the content of Monday Night Raw's episode and has expressed its deep concern to WWE. We do not condone the content of this episode and we will work diligently to ensure that similar occurrences do not appear again on our network. Yeah, well, so that's... They were not happy. That's like, um, yeah, that's completely, I, I agree, completely agree. It's not. It just, it's not. Yeah, the, the, a fifteen-year-old kid or a, you know, 
25-year-old guy watching at the time would love it. But if you're a, if you are a lesbian and you're watching that, yeah, some a lesbian would probably find it funny, but some of some of lesbians lesbians may not. Exactly. It's not. It's it's it's. I I, I enjoyed the segment, but you know, everything's PC. There's only so much you can do. Definitely, definitely. So overall thoughts of that episode of Raw, Mike. Hot lesbian action. CJ thoughts. Good, good episodes. Um, uh, the only, the only bit that stands out for me is the HLO, and that's because it's been forced down our throats. So we go on to SmackDown, September the twelfth, two thousand and two. We open up with a vigilante for the wedding ceremony for Billy and Chuck. Uh, really looking forward to it. They're really pushing this, so I'm, I'm thinking that there's going to be a big big surprise at the end of it. So this is going to be at the end of the show. Uh, so the first match we open up with is Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman against Hardcore Holly. Anybody remember this, guys? Anybody remember this match? What was the match? Oh, yes. Is this the one where he breaks so his Brock neck? Brock broke his neck. He breaks yeah, his neck. Yeah, it's the match. Yes. It's the <laughs> match. Um, there's a lot of... Um, Regarding this match, they had a lot. Of, Hardcore Holly had a lot of interviews after this uh, later on in his life about this match. Whether they people ask him, did Brock Lesnar do it on purpose? But Hardcore said, no, he didn't. He didn't do it on purpose. Um, it was a it was an actual accident. And maybe from watching it myself, watching it back, it looks like Lesnar wants it to look like it hurts, but doesn't actually realise he actually breaks his neck. Um, but anyway, the match itself, again, same pattern with the Lesnar matches every opponent, opponent he has looks like they're going to win uh, but Lesnar always wins uh, good match, Hulk gets in lots of offence Lesnar finishes it with obviously the power bomb that breaks his neck and then goes on to have five him as well and props to Hulk Holly for finishing the actual match, there's no in this match, it's it, because the, these Smackdowns are recorded as well so they are filmed on, what night is it they're actually filmed on, is it like a Tuesday? Yeah yeah, so it's a film, so they will have edited it out. I, I would believe that the referee would have put an X mark up after the match for, for Hardcore Holly because, my God, that looked horrible. Um, next match, Eddie Guerrero and Charbo Guerrero against Edge and John Cena. John Cena, where is he going at the minute? He is a rookie, um, but where is he going? This is something... What's your thoughts, guys? Where, where is he going at the minute? Uh, I, I think he's stuck. Yeah. I believe I believe that he's not. Is they yet to find the niche for John Cena? Yeah. Good character. Yeah, character and, a, and a, a good gimmick. Would you say? Yeah. Well, like, um, like you covered in the last episode, CJ, uh, they're still relating or referring to John Cena as the rookie John Cena. Yeah, which I don't like because he's been he has been around now for a good two or three months, and he shouldn't be the rookie anymore. They should, they, it's time to start, get, even though we all know what happens with Cena, but I think at this point in time, they should start to give him something to run with rather than just being a rookie. Because he's yeah. very impressive in the ring. Very impressive. Um, so the match, Eddie Guerrero and Charbo Guerrero against Edge and John Cena. Great match, what you'd expect from these four guys in the ring. Eddie and Charbo, great tag team. Uh, they defeat John Cena and Eddie Guerrero and Edge. Surprisingly, I didn't think they would actually get the win, but they did. Um, yeah, good match. 
Next match, it's Kurt Angle against Rey Mysterio. Again, this is a SummerSlam match that we've had. That is, is a rematch from SummerSlam. Kurt Angle against Rey Mysterio. And they've started doing these funny little segments with uh, Kurt Angle at the moment. Uh, where he's coming out to ring and he's saying things he doesn't mean to say. And he keeps having to... He repeats himself, but he says something else and makes him... Basically get, digging himself a grave. And I'll just quote one of the things he says here. He goes, and I quote, And Rey Mysterio, I want you to remember one thing. You're a boy in a man's world. And I'm a man that loves to play with boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, kid, kid, kid. And then he says, and I, I don't know, I'm not going to quote it because I don't know the exact same words he says, but he says something along the lines of, no, 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 scrap that. I'm going to get you in the ring and I'm going to put your legs over your head and I'm going to pin you. Oh, wow. Um, Easy now. And he, 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 he goes on and on and it's brilliant. Funny little segment with Kurt Angle and it's just like the, the heat he gets from the fans is brilliant and he plays on that. He's good with that angle. Uh, going into the match, Angle, Rey Mysterio, what you'd expect from Angle Rey Mysterio. Great match overall. And you'd think that Rey Mysterio would get the win on Angle because Angle got the win on Mysterio at SummerSlam. But oh no, Kurt Angle pins Rey Mysterio and gets the win. Um, your thoughts? Yeah, SummerSlam rematches. Any pay-per-view rematches annoys me. Still in this present day, annoys me. There is no point building up a feud to have a blow up at a pay-per-view to carry on this feud on the next week. The only time you need a rematch is a title change. Agreed. The only time you should have a rematch. Agreed. And I think that the, the they should, with Mysterio at the minute, um, I wouldn't say he's, 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 at John, he's where John Cena is at the moment, but Rey Mysterio, in a couple of weeks' time, I think they should start getting him feuding, getting him actually, you know, an actual solid storyline. Um so the next match, Chris Benoit <clears throat> against Rikishi. And the guy that wins the match is Chris Benoit. He defeats the Rikishi via disqualification. Um, it's the match that you'd expect between Benoit and Rikishi. Benoit doing all the work. Rikishi going for a stink face. Um, the reason why Chris Benoit wins via disqualification is because, insert storyline spoiler, Kurt Angle comes down to the ring and distracts Benoit thus uh, helping Chris Benoit be defeated via disqualification. Um, but Angle hitting Rikishi, basically. Um, so this is Kurt Angle and, and Benoit leading into a, you know, a match. They're setting up for a storyline, which is good. I want, I want those two to fight each other. You want Benoit and Angle in a match together because who wouldn't want those two in a match together? Yeah, definitely. Poetry in motion. Exactly. Poetry in Just motion. Masterclass every time than two thoughts. The next match is a ball fest. It's Tori Wilson against Nidia. Tori Wilson, she's hot, and Nidia is also hot, and they can both do clotheslines and a couple of little moves. Tori Wilson wins. The next match we have is Matt Hardy. In the main event, may I add, Matt Hardy in the main event against The Undertaker. Matt Hardy gets inserted into this because there's a backstage confrontation between him and The Undertaker. Matt Hardy wants to go and ask The Undertaker um, if he's okay with all the um, shenanigans that Paul Heyman's doing with 
I, I forgot to have this in, but they have, you know, going back again, the mind of Vince McMahon. They're in. They're doing a, an abortion uh, stint miscarriage. here. Miscarriage, abortion, miscarriage stint here with Paul Heyman and the Undertaker and Brock Lesnar, which is pretty bad to be honest. Um, they sh they shouldn't be touching on this sort of stuff. If if, if miscarriages, a lot of women can get. You know, if Raw are getting, you know, HLA, you know, TNN not happy with the HLA, then what the hell are they thinking about? Is it Spike that SmackDown's on? Yeah, I believe it is at this period of time. Yeah, I believe it is. I would love to know if they get backlash from this. I don't. I don't know this. I generally don't know. But you know, miscarriages on a on a on a late evening, early evening, afternoon show. That's pretty, that's, you know, that's touchy, man. Imagine if you've just come out and you've just had a miscarriage in the hospital. So what's and the... And then you see that on TV. Just, just to, just to briefly cover it. So what's the, what's the actual miscarriage storyline they're going with then? So the Undertaker's, uh, wife... Sarah. Sarah. Sarah, yeah. Undertaker's wife, Sarah. Um, she is on the show, uh, Undertaker's scared because, um... Brock Lesnar and Heyman are saying that they're going to go and, you know, they're, they're stalking Sarah. They're, it's, it's not as bad as DPD, uh, DDP, sorry. Um, it's not as bad as him, but they're going with that. And it's just, it's, it, 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 they need something for the storyline to work. So they go with that. They could have gone with something else. Uh, and then obviously Matt Hardy's coming in to ask the Undertaker if he's all right. Undertaker's fuming, saying, Hardy, just, you know, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you right now. Hardy at the minute is actually meant to be a face, sort of, asking if the Undertaker's all right. And Undertaker, like, grabs Hardy by the neck and says, you know, leave me the hell alone, go away. And that's how the match ends up happening. Stephanie Mann puts Hardy in a match with the Undertaker. Who do you think wins the match? Hardy. The winner of the match is Matt Hardy. He yeah! Defeats the, he defeats the Undertaker via countout. Hey, a and win's that, a win. A win's a win. And that's due to... And Paul Heyman is backstage with Sarah, and which distracts the Undertaker. He runs off to go and save her and uh, gets hit with a steel chair to the head by Brock Lesnar, who chases him. So, guys, here it is. It's the wedding. Uh, Billy and Chuck's wedding. No, it's the commitment ceremony. Smackdown. 
you've got Billy and Chuck both there waiting to uh, be married. Um, and you've got a priest in there, or everybody thinks it's a priest. Uh, you've got Stephanie in there and you've got Rico in there. Rico wants Stephanie there because he feels uncomfortable and feels like it's not going to go the way he wants it to go. Stephanie does say that she didn't want to go out there because she has bad luck at weddings, which is quite funny. Um, so, yeah, the wedding gets underway. The priest starts saying stuff to Billy and Chuck. And you can both see that they're both quite on edge uh, about this. So the priest is about to say, I now pronounce you. And then when he goes to say that, Billy is the first one to, to step up and say, whoa, 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 whoa. He's like, whoa, man, he's like, you know, we're not gay. We're not gay. <laughs> he's like, we've got nothing against gay people. And all the fans start cheering for him. And uh, Chuck's like, yeah, yeah, we're not gay. And then Billy's like, and even if I was gay, I, w I wouldn't get with Chuck, which is quite funny <laughs> for him to say. Burn! <laughs> yeah. And Chuck's like nodding his head. <laughs> um, and then Rico's getting annoyed. Rico, if anybody's the gay one, it's probably, I would say Rico is the gay one. Uh, but Rico's like, oh, no, no, this is not how it's meant to happen. Oh, you need say it, say, get married, get married. And uh, Billy and Chuck are like refusing, no, 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 this is a publicity stunt, we're not going to get married. And then the priest pops it, you know, cuts in, he's like, blah, blah, blah. He's like, a, a healthy, healthy relationship, healthy marriage can last 12 years, it can last six months, or it can last three minutes. He's like, wait a minute. Did I just hear myself say three, three minutes. minutes? Rips off his mask, and then all of a sudden, Rose Jamal. Hashtag buddy offense. Storm the ring, beat the shit out of everyone. Uh, Stephanie McMahon gets a Samoan drop, uh, which is awesome. It looked, he made it look good. And if I wanted anybody to give me Samoan, shot, Samoan drop, I'd probably say I'd want someone like. Uh, Jamal or Umaga to get to give me a Samoan drop because he does it safely. He does. He knows how to drop that Samoan drop. And uh, they get chased out of the ring. All the SmackDown locker room come out, chase them out of the ring. My God, I would have to say that is one of the best segments I've seen. Brilliant segment. I miss things like that. This is what we are sorely missing in 2016. Something like I honestly didn't. I didn't know it was Eric Bischoff. I thought that. The voice, the only thing that gave away was his voice. Yeah. The only thing. I think the prosthetics in regards to the mask were brilliant because you could not work out that it were Bischoff. Yeah. Apart, apart, I love, obviously, apart from the voice. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that he, he did it He did it really well. Like, he can act. Like his hand, the little hand he does, the little shaky hand. <laughs> I just can't stop laughing at that. Um, but yeah, brilliant segment. Um, this is what we saw him miss in 2016, something like that. Definitely. I think the last thing we saw something similar was maybe when uh, Sting got pulled up uh, from the uh, statue. On yes. The unveiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a good little moment. That, that was, yeah. Good, yeah, that that was, was the only good segment we've had this year. Was it this year? Uh, last last year. year. Last year. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, guys, what's your thoughts on the ceremony itself? It's dated. That's really? what it is. Pure, really? and yeah, yeah. How do you not find that entertaining, Dave? How can you not find that entertaining? That is entertaining. So, guys, SmackDown overall, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, good show. Um, again, just like uh, the the last weeks that you've covered, I think we're starting to get a lot of progression with Into Unforgiven, and everywhere everybody's kind of getting their. 
part on the card and everyone's got a bit of a meaning to be on the card. Yeah, and this is what I wanted. I wanted something to start to get more invested in. I, I feel like there's something. everybody's going somewhere. Everybody's got something to do on the show. It's the uh, Lesnar Taker angles working out really well as well. Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would say that. I'm. Uh, they're, they're doing a good, a good. Making it more uh, personal. Yeah, that's that's how that's how it's gonna have to. That's gonna ha- how it's gonna work. Yeah, with those two guys, you have to make it personal. I think that's that's how you're gonna make it work. And there has to be a story behind it for it to work. And I'm I'm really looking forward to those two guys finding it um, unforgiven. No, it should be a great match. You've got a very contrasting styles. You've got the experience versus the youth. Um, totally agree. Looking it's just going to be a fight. Oh, yeah. it's going to be a potato fest. You need to make it an ODQ. And it's hard to believe. I'll just, I'll just really, really quickly say this, but it's hard to believe that this is 2002, Undertaker brought Lesnar, and then we get Undertaker brought Lesnar in 2015. Because yeah. creative don't have an idea or any idea anymore. It's hard to believe that, but what made me say that is because you say age versus youth, and that's 2002. Yeah. Then we go to 2015, age versus... A lot more age. Middle age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Middle age versus over. Yeah. But <laughs> well, dare I say, the 2015 match in the Hell in a Cell, that's a great match. I really enjoyed that. They did a good job. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, on to Raw. Come on, let's go into Raw. So we begin with Eric Bischoff in the ring. He talks about what he did to Stephanie McMahon on this past SmackDown uh, with the, the wedding angle. Um, he introduces Rico to the Raw audience. Uh, he rewards Rico with a match against Ric Flair tonight. And he talks about Triple H versus Rob Van Dam fighting at Unforgiven. He says that Triple H and Rob Van Dam will defend their respective titles tonight. So we're going to have a world title match and an IC title match on the last Raw before SummerSlam. Who wants to guess that nobody wins a new belt? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> what's going to happen, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so then we lead on to a segment with uh, Triple H and Rob Van Dam bigging up their um, their match at Unforgiven. And then we go outside of the arena and we get footage of a group of women protesting. Uh, they are chanting I-O-W with signs that say equality, women's rights and such much more. What the flip is going on? Obviously... Vince McMahon and his, uh, his cohorts will be fully aware that TNN were not very happy with the HLA, but just like going back to the right-to-centre gimmick, if anybody else within real life pisses off Vince, Vince will put it into a storyline. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And um, they can't do anything. They can't get mad at him for doing this. It's genius. So that leads us into our first match of the night. We have Ric Flair versus Rico. Um Surprising victory for Rico. He hits uh, Ric Flair with a super kick and gets the win. So Rico, in his first singles match on Raw, I believe, gets an upset victory over Ric Flair. Wow. Wow. Ah, wow. Sentence I never thought I would hear ever. A gay character. Wait, that sounds wrong. But somebody like R- Rico... Flamboyant. A flamboyant a fl- character. The flamboyant character that's... He's a very good wrestler, Rico, but the gimmick he's got, beating Ric Flair, 
That's, oh, no, I, I wouldn't have done that, but he has to get his, his debut win, hasn't he, I suppose. But not against fucking Flair. Against they could have given him somebody else. Yeah. Could have given Tommy Dreamer, fuck's sake. Rico against Tommy. I, t- yeah, no, because... Yeah, but are they are they wanting to give Rico the rub and kind of propel him to a, a upper mid card sort of level? Maybe I don't know. We're all going to find out, though, aren't we? Very much so. Very much so. Um, right. So we then we get to a, a backstage interview segment with Terry Rolls and Booker T. Uh, Terry asks Booker about wrestling his former partner Test. Uh, you're going to love this, CJ. Absolutely love this. Booker T says when he was growing up, there was one thing that he never liked. And that was tests. <laughs> I'm a, a massive fan of Booker T now. Like, massive fan of Booker T. And then he, he finishes the segment by saying, tonight he is going to pass the test with flying colours. Well, it, so test is actually wrestling tonight then, yeah? He's in a match. Test is having a one-on-one match with Booker T later on this evening. But can you dig that? Sucker! So we get to a backstage, well, it's a parking lot segment with the the mystery protesters. They're trying to get into the building, but they're stopped by WWE security. And then we get to a match, which is the one we've just discussed. It's Booker T versus Test. Uh, late in the match, Booker T hits a missile dropkick on Test. Test fights back and nails a pump handle slam on Booker T who kicks out. Now, this is where it all gets a bit interesting. Booker counters a powerbomb with a very sloppy Hurricanrana. And then he wins with a Lucha Libre-style roll-up pinfall in the corner. So the winner is Booker T, but what's with all these new moves? Maybe they're just testing the waters with him. Oh, no pun intended. Oh, but... there we go. So then we get to a interview segment with uh, Terry Reynolds and Triple H. Uh, she discusses... Uh, sorry, interview segment with Terry Reynolds and Ric Flair. Uh, she asked Ric Flair about losing to Rico earlier. He looks very upset. He can't believe it. Uh, Triple H comes in and says that he can't believe Ric Flair held the world title 16 times. He says that Flair's lost it. And he says to, tells Flair to get out while the getting's good. And he calls Flair pathetic. Flair stands up and defends himself to Triple H. And Flair says to Triple H, he doesn't even know what he is capable of. Ric Flair, 2002, we've seen. He's not capable of anything. <laughs> no. So then, again, we cut again to the backstage parking lot, where we now find out that this group of women is the International Organization for Women, or the IWO. The leader of the group introduces themselves and says they have notices that the treatment of women on Raw has been horrible. She says that they have no intention of going anywhere until they speak to Eric Bischoff. So that leads us into a tag team title match of the evening. So the tag team titles are defended again on Monday Night Raw. We have got the reigning champions, Lance Storm and Christian, versus Spike and Bubba Ray Dudley. Um, the winners, Lance Storm and Christian, they're still a title. They're still the champions, still going on. I'm getting a little, as much as I love the Un-Americans, and I can't speak highly enough of them. What about you guys? Uh, Michael, come to you. Un-Americans, it's getting a, a little bit stale. I love the gimmick, but yeah. Last, it's gone on far too long. It was great when they were feuding with... Uh, Edward Hogan, pointless now. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I completely agree. It's getting, it's not moving anywhere. There's, yeah, obviously the the gimmicks, the we hate America, rah de rah, but the 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 gimmick itself needs a bit of progression, and it's not, it, it's very stale. Doesn't need to be moving anywhere. The gimmick, that gimmick's never improved in the last however many years it's been going. 
if anything, it's damaging. It's damaging for the the characters, if anything, because if you make a gimmick go on for too long and it's not working and it's getting stale, that's when you have to realise, all right, let's let's break them up. League of Nations. (laughs) Oh, the League of Nations. My God, that could have been so good. It was good on the game, but not in real life. Two former world champions, two possible future world champions, and fucked up. Yeah, just to touch on what CJ said then, the game where they had, was it Sheamus, Drew McIntyre, and William Regal? Yeah. I think, yeah, on the SmackDown versus Raw 2000. Was it 2011? 2012. 12. Yeah, great, great game. I think maybe they got, they, they must have got their idea from that. Oh, of course, of course. It's, it's a shame. It's a shame. So, we move on to the, the next match of the night. We've got the Intercontinental title match. Rob Van Dam versus Chris Jericho. Uh, late into the match, Triple H comes out, uh, distracts Van Dam. Uh, Van Dam kicks Triple H out of the ring, but is grabbed from Jericho by from behind. Jericho locks in the walls of Jericho on Rob Van Dam, and Rob Van Dam taps. So, we have a new... Intercontinental Champion, Y2J, Chris Jericho. As Jericho's leaving the ring, Triple H runs in and nails the pedigree on Rob Van Dam, enhancing the feud going into Unforgiven. Say that, that for me is... It, that's that, that the outcome to that match is for somebody who is our age in 2002. Because you're thinking, all right, RVD's lost a title. Maybe he's got a chance. That's the reason he's lost a title. He's going to beat Triple H. Yeah, that's what that's what people that's what they put yeah. in your mind. But the, on the on the on the flip side of that is that's made RVD look weak going into the pay per view because he's lost, he's lost his belt. Yeah, yeah, he's if, not only lost but he's tapped out. So we move backstage to um, a little segment with Bischoff and Jericho. Uh, Jericho's celebrating his IC title victory with two bottles of champagne. Uh, he runs into Bischoff who looks very happy with Jericho's performance. Uh, Jericho asks for a match with Ric Flair at Unforgiven. Bischoff makes the match. So, Unforgiven, we have the IC Championship. Jericho versus Flair. Again. Another SummerSlam rematch. Could Flair get the one title that he's never had? The IC title? Yeah. I'm going to say no, just because of the fact that Jericho's only just won it. So then, we go into a backstage segment with William Regal, um, Lance Storm, Christian and Test. Uh, Regal says that Kane represents everything which is wrong with America. Regal says that Americans hide the horrors that everyone knows exists. And he says that maybe he can teach the pathetic Americans a lesson tonight. So that leads us into our next match, which is William Regal versus Kane. Um, We have the usual interference. It goes a bit wild. We have Storm and Christian run down. Tess runs down. Bubba Ray Dudley runs down. Booker T runs down. Now, I don't know about y'all. It's looking like uh, it's going to be some form of multi-man match at Unforgiven. And then Booker T challenges the Un-Americans to a four-on-four at Unforgiven, which the Un-Americans accept the challenge. So at Unforgiven, we are going to have the Un-Americans consisting of Lance Storm, Christian, Test and William Regal against Kane, Booker T, Goldust and Bubba Ray Dudley. Thoughts? Well, for the virtue... Yeah, what happened to... Why is Texas Bradshaw not involved anymore? That's a good question. Maybe he's injured. I don't know. The match going into uh, Unforgiven. Um, I'm looking forward to this one. I think it'll be a good one. Entertaining. Um, but it also 
defaces the tag titles. Yeah, it's one of my biggest gripes in wrestling. The tag titles should always be defended. Always. Yeah. And the New Day are the biggest fucking culprits for that at the minute. Probably once every, uh, once every four pay-per-views, they'll defend the titles. It's getting to that point now with New Day for me where I'm rooting for the other team, whoever it is. That's what they have to beat him. Yeah, I'm sick of it. It's not funny. It was funny. New Day heel was hilarious. When they yes. had to rip the piss out of everything. When they just said, when Vince McMahon or Kevin Dunn, whoever it was, said to Big E, Kofi and Xavier, go out there and just be cunts. Yeah. We get to a segment in the ring with Eric Bischoff. And the IOW, God, the IOW. <laughs> uh, Bischoff says that he believes in equality. He says that he believes that women are just as smart and as powerful as men. But while he's saying this, he is pissing himself, absolutely pissing himself. Um, he calls out, as he calls out the IOW who come to the ring, uh, the leader of the International Organization of Women. Uh, she says that Bischoff has exploited women by presenting bra and panties, mud matches, and pillow fights. Uh, suddenly. One of the girls uh, rips off her wig and kicks Bischoff in the crotch. It's Stephanie McMahon! Ooh, like... She, they, they, oh, uh, oh, I, I don't know what to say. Dick <laughs> Billy and Chuck then hit the ring and attack Bischoff. Chuck lifts Bischoff over his shoulders and Billy clotheslines him from the top rope. Um, and then Rosie and Jamal hit the ring and they attack Billy and Chuck. Uh, they knock Rosie and Jamal off their feet. Uh, Stephanie, Billy and Chuck escape through the crowd. And then we're left with Bischoff, Rosie and Jamal in the ring. Bischoff challenges Billy and Chuck to wrestle Rosie and Jamal at Unforgiven. Uh, Bischoff says if that uh, Billy and Chuck win, he will kiss Stephanie's ass. Uh, but on the flip side, he says that if Rosie and Jamal win, Stephanie will have to perform hot lesbian action on the pay-per-view. Now, win-win all the way around. I so, so hope to motherfucking God... Rosie and Jamal win. I, w- I want to see, like, the thing is a win-win. You either see Stephen Mann get off with a woman or you see her ass. So that leads us on to our world title match. It is Triple H defending the title against nobody knows because they've not discussed it the whole fucking night. <laughs> what? We don't even know who he's fighting. Yep. Uh, Rob Van Dam runs down before Triple H's challenger can be announced. Uh, Johnny Ace, Fit Finley and a host of referees run down and literally carry Rob Van Dam backstage. Uh, Triple H is busted open, uh, proper bleeding, is a good blade job, waiting for his opponent. Jeff Hardy sprints to the ring for his title shot. <laughs> Great back and forth match. Now Triple H gets the win. Now I want to ask you, I'm going to go to you Mike first, I want one move, and it's not the pedigree, one move out of any move that you could possibly think of, what move does Triple H deliver on Jeff Hardy to win the match? Snap there. A snap there. <laughs> Spinebuster. Triple H burying people, isn't it? You, you're both wrong. Triple H wins with the sleeper hold. Eh? Mm. Makes no sense. So at the end of the match, yeah. uh, Rob Van Damme runs down, attacks Triple H, uh, and Raw finishes with Rob Van Damme standing over Triple H, holding the world title, which makes me think that Rob Van Damme is not going to win at the pay-per-view. Yes, yeah, the old-fashioned uh, whoever gets the offense in loses. Very much so. But yeah, so that is the last roar before Unforgiven. Uh, Mike, any thoughts? Decent show. Very entertaining segment that with uh, Stephanie McMahon and the IOW. <laughs> <laughs> the IOW. 
why are them why were them shirts never made? Uh, who who I whose idea are they? is this all the brainchild of Vince McMahon, the IOW and the HLA, or has Bischoff got some say in this? Because since Bischoff came in the WWE, and I'm not just talking about now, but like other things as well, we've had Hell in a Cell, uh, the Elimination Chamber, brainchild of uh, 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 Eric Bischoff. There's a question I want to know: is like, are all these are these all Vince McMahon's ideas, or do you reckon? Bischoff has got some input in there. Honestly, I all Vince, all Vince. Yeah, totally agree. But just because um, I firmly believe that Vince McMahon brought Bischoff into the company because he was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm now your boss." You try to put me out of business, I'm now your boss. Okay, guys, so now we're on to the SmackDown, September the 19th, 2002. We open up the the, uh, card with Rey Mysterio and Tori Wilson against Jamie Noble and Nidia. Um, Rey Mysterio, where are they going with him? What are they doing with him? Why why are they throwing him these pointless matches? So he's had had the match with Angle at the pay-per-view. Last week on SmackDown, he had the the rematch with uh, with, um, Kurt Angle. And now he's in some intergender match or mixed tag or whatever. It's someone as as high profile as Rey Mysterio. And as we discussed in the last episode, they're still showing the vignettes before Rey Mysterio is due to wrestle. Like up next is Rey Mysterio. So yeah. they're pushing him, but at the same time, they're reining him in. Uh, the match itself, Rey Mysterio and Tori Wilson uh, defeat, de- defeated Jamie Noble and Nidia. When Mysterio pinned Noble with a modified sunset flip powerbomb move. So, again, Mysterio's tweening as well. He's winning and losing at the same time. Yeah. There's no... 50 booking at its finest. Yeah, he's not <laughs> yeah. He's not getting... There's not re- repetition. It's all... No, it's either winning or a loser. It's either you win or you lose, but he just keeps winning and losing. There's no, like... Oh, it's annoying. The next match, WWE champion Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman fights against John Cena. Wow. 2002, we have got Lesnar versus Cena. Ah, but we've all, we've, the week before we had Lesnar versus... Um, Orton. Sorry, the week before that, Orton, yeah. yeah. Um, which is it's so weird to say that how Lesnar's... Ha- <laughs> yeah, how times haven't changed. <laughs> Yeah, Lesnar against John Cena. Um, the match again, and I'm gonna—I really have to stress this. Repetitive. It's the same thing. John Cena looks like he's gonna beat Brock Lesnar. He gets in all the offense. Lesnar gets a beat down, and Lesnar gets the win again with an F5 in an untitled match. So whoever—I mean, if you're the guy in, backstage and you're told the card for—you know—you you get told. I don't know when they actually get told the card. This is something I'd I'd love to know. If you is it like when a, you play a football match and you're told if you're going to be on the bench or you're going to be in the match? What? How does it work? Yeah, they just go so, that night. We start the show. Yeah, I, I'm with, with Mike. Old... I think start of the show they'll have like a team meeting and this is what the card is. This is who's going to go over, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Crazy, because if you're somebody who's backstage, said right, John Cena walks in the building. Hey, Cena, tonight you're against Lesnar. And you're like, man, I'm on a bit of a roll at the minute. I'm, you know, I'm, doing, I'm doing really cool. You're feeding me to Lesnar, really? 
you know what I mean? You'd, 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 yeah. you'd hate knowing you've got to go against Lesnar because you know you're going to lose. <laughs> um, ah, next match. Eddie Guerrero and Chavo Guerrero uh, against Edge and Rikishi. And uh, Chavo and Edge... Uh, Chavo and Eddie defeat Edge and Rikishi. When Chavo pinned Rikishi after hitting him in the head with a video camera. And just to digress from one of the previous SmackDowns I've gone through, Rikishi, uh, there's a funny segment they had. Eddie Guerrero uh, is about, is basically, Chavo Guerrero has got his arse out, <laughs> gets his arse out, and um, they're going to put Edge's face into Chavo's arse, uh, but then it, it changes where... Eddie's face gets put into Charbo's ass. Charbo doesn't makes out that he doesn't know what's going off. Char Eddie's face goes into Charbo's ass. I'd really recommend watch that back. It's quite funny. It's hilarious. Um, just to, <laughs> it's, it's, more to their feud. Yeah, and it's it's funny to to see. I love it, and I've said this before in podcasts before. I love it when Eddie, when Eddie Guerrero gets angry. Angry Eddie Guerrero is hilarious. Yeah, he can get mad at the littlest of things. Stress, stress head. Um, after the match, Eddie Eddie hit Edge in the head with a steel chair, busting him open. So that's setting up, um, so a, a, a sort of a a long feud that they're having, Edge and Guerrero. I'd love to see when this is going to come to an end. Yeah. I'm loving every bit of them too, though. I am loving it. Uh, next match, Matt Hardy against the Hurricane. Matt Hardy pins the Hurricane with a twist of fate after a low blow. So Matt Hardy's he's got a win finally, um, and he's he's winning with low blows against the Hurricane. Really? Does he need? Does he really need to do that? Yeah, it's. Uh... He must have had a premonition. Um, okay, so I'll go on to the last match here on SmackDown: Billy Gunn and Chuck Palumbo. So Billy and Chuck against Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. Billy and Chuck defeat Kurt and Chris Benoit. Wow. Now, I know, I know what you're going to think. You're going to think, why? Why have they beat them? But it works perfect. Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit are going to be fighting each other against each other at Unforgiven, so it works. Um, Benoit was pinned. Um, and after the match, Angle applied the ankle lock on his tag partner before Benoit reversed it into Kripa Crossface as the show came to a close, which I think is good. You know, I think uh, with the uh, Lesnar-Undertaker, I think what they're doing is... Um, just letting do some vigilantes for them. That's what they've been doing on this whole show. Uh, Lesnar had his match because he's the champion, and then he had a lot of Undertaker vigilantes about you know him being the dark man, then going to being the American badass. They didn't actually have him fight on the show, uh, and I thought it was it, I thought it was it was good to have a bit of different a different finish, you know, yeah. not have the main event the main because Benoit and Kurt Angle are main events anyway. No, it's good. It, it's good to mix it up. I know the WB, uh, they, they try it every now and again. Um, like, the two that just jump out of my mind thinking about it is when they had Evan Bourne, we're going back to maybe 2011, where they had him uh, teaming with Cena against, I believe, was it Randy Orton at some point with somebody else? And then they tried it again with Sin Cara. They had him in the, in the main event. So they'll try it every now and again, where they'll put someone that shouldn't be in the main event into the main event. But it's very rarely that they'll put someone into the main event to go over. 
But obviously, yeah. this yeah. all builds up to to Unforgiven. Obviously, like I said, you've got Benoit Angle Unforgiven, which I'm so looking forward to. Great. What you can't you can't ask for a better match. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. So, but to have someone like Billy and Chuck. Um, is that to put make Billy and Chuck look strong going into Unforgiven against Three Minute Warning? Yeah, it all adds up. It all adds up. It's, it makes it's sense. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's it's good to think that you know they've made. It's it's just genius. <laughs> Everything's got a reason, and that's what makes a good pay per view. Very much so. And on that note, guys, that was SmackDown. What do you think? Good SmackDown. Yet again, yet again, I think uh, they're, they're very much on par at the minute. They've got their comedy aspects, they've got their seriousness, they've got their their solid in-ring work. I think more SmackDown more than Raw because you you've got the technical guys like your Benoit, your Guerreros, your Angles. But I think coming into Unforgiven, um, looking forward to it. So we, we, we near enough know the card now for Unforgiven. Um, match you're looking forward to, match you're not looking forward to. Definitely I go Benoit. Definitely looking forward to I go Benoit. Anytime we're two stepping to together, it's just poetry in motion. Totally agree. And one you're Least not looking, looking forward, forward to. to. What Americans match? The four on four. Yeah. Same question to you, mm. CJ. What I'm looking forward to the most is Untaker Brock Lesnar. Um the fact that it's been great storytelling all the way through it's going to be a fight that's what i like to see every now and again just a fight and the one i'm least looking forward to believe it or not is triple h rvd i am totally with you there i am with you cj 100 i cannot wait to watch brock lesnar and the undertaker kick the living daylights out of each other i am not invested in triple h and rob van damme no it doesn't work it just doesn't work not we may we may be proven wrong, but I, I, I don't think do. it works. I hope they do. I hope it works. And I hope they deliver a five-star match. I really do. So, that's been episode four, part two. Until Unforgiven, I've been Dave. This has been CJ. Yeah, cheers, guys. Thank you very much. It's been a great pleasure. Enjoys it, as always. And this has been Mike. Catch you later. And, guys, as always, please find, find us on Facebook. Give us a like. Follow us on Twitter. We're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. RA Era Podcast, that's all you have to search for. If you're on iTunes, please leave us a rating or review. We much appreciate it. Until next time, peace out, people. Ruthless aggression.